Uh, Chuck, we're changing up this week, opening the podcast to a new song. Uh, that song's called This Town by David Morris. Chuck, I gotta admit, it sounds a lot better than our usual intro music. It does, it does. That's not to throw shade on our normal intro music. It's uh, you know, it's gritty and it's real, but this is some good stuff. And and David is actually the person that we interviewed today, which will be coming up very soon. But first, John, I gotta ask you. You know, we do these intros, and and we talk about some real gritty Appalachian issues, and and I have to tell you that this is not one of them, but it's a pressing issue that I have not been able to get answers for yet, and I just I gotta litigate it with you on this podcast because uh, I, I just it's bugging me. I need to know. You ready for it? I'm ready. Kim Jong Un, dead or alive? Dead. Substantiate. The only reason I think he's dead, and I remember 2011, he had that other uh, Twitter went awry and said he was dead, blah, blah, blah. And then, but if you remember that, North Korea came out pretty quickly and showed that he wasn't dead. They had, they had showed evidence of it, and obviously he wasn't dead. But, I mean, they're pretty quiet right now. I mean, there's really no discussion of whether he's dead or alive, and I think it's because they're trying to figure out what to do. This is one of those weird things where amid all this coronavirus, this crazy shit happens. And I actually remember uh, when they did announce that Kim Jong-il died. They did come out with all that. This, I would say, I think you're right. I think that uh, if if he were still alive, um, that they would be posting up pics all the time of him, like, looking buff. They'd probably do a little bit of Photoshop, give him a six-pack, you know, have him on the back of a, a bear riding it, probably, a la Putin a little bit. So, you know, I do think it's, uh, I think you're right. I think he could be dead. I mean, I got to say, though, even though I was the athletic specimen, I still am the athletic specimen that I am, um, you know, Iceman, war number 35, really was a jaguar on the court, I have to give it up to this guy. I mean, he shot an 18 in a round of 18. I mean, come on. And for our, our people that aren't sports fans, that is a reference to the game of golf. That is true. Sorry about that. <laughs> John Iceman referencing his basketball career. I got to say this. All right. Conspiracy theory here before. And look, we're going to get to this. We're going to get to the interview. But before that, conspiracy theory here. Kim Jong-un, huge, huge Chicago Bulls fan, right? Like loves Dennis Rodman is like a massive fan of like the championship bulls from the 90s. Is it a coincidence that this all happens when The Last Dance is being released, the Michael Jordan documentary? I mm-hmm. There's something there, John. There is something there. Look, the way I see it is Dennis Rodman, I'm sure, is mourning a loss right now. Also, why? where is he? Can he not confirm <laughs> that this guy's alive or dead? I mean, he should be able to text him, right? I mean, they're good friends. Great question. Yeah, right? He, he's got a direct line to him. Where is Dennis Rodman? Why has he not been on Meet the Press? I blame Dennis Rodman for a few things, and one of them is... <laughs> <laughs> one of them is the terrible relationship with North Korea, because he could have gone over there and really been super helpful to our country and really pushed forward the American way, but he didn't, if you look at all the stuff. And two, when he teamed up with Diamond Dallas Page in WCW in like 1998, why didn't he bring him over as a guest? I'm sure that dude is a wrestling fan. Bring him over, put him front and center, let him watch the American way, and let him see how great it can be. And maybe he'll love democracy so much that... We've made a change. Powerful advice from John. Uh, but speaking of which, let, let's get into the interview. That's enough talk about North Korea for one episode. John, this is by far my favorite interview that we've done so far. I thought it was really good. David is such a great guy. Really interesting to talk to. Really, I, I think, just channels the spirit of being from West Virginia and of being from Appalachia in this interview, and it really shows. Yeah, it does, Chuck. Uh, it it definitely shows uh when we tell you that this guy is a super nice guy and super humble i mean we mean it we wouldn't blow smoke up your ass i promise uh this guy deserves 
your support and I hope he wins it over by, you know, you listening to this interview and going to listen to his music because I think you'll like it. Absolutely. Well, and without further ado, we'll get to our interview. David Morris, he's an American singer-songwriter from Charleston, West Virginia. His latest EP, Small Town Friday Night, is available now on iTunes and other streaming platforms. So young, so lost, trying to get by. Couldn't tell us nothing, we had too much pride. Spending all weekends working part-time. We were just trying to survive. David, we really appreciate you coming on. I know that uh, for both Chuck and I, we've listened to your stuff for a long time. I mean, going back to even like the DY days. So uh, we have kind of been along for uh, most of your musical career. So we really do appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you guys having me. I appreciate it. Um, You know, to be honest, I do get a lot of requests of people wanting to interview me for podcasts or YouTube or, or blogs and stuff. And I, I typically, I just kind of, I, I shy away from it just because there's only so many interviews you can do and they're, they're typically all the same. And I just feel like when you guys reached out and I looked into the podcast and I saw what you guys were doing and, and how you were doing it, um, I was just like, this is cool, man. This is very on brand. This is very, um, very cool. and something that I want to be a part of because, you know, not only do you guys talk about, um, the people that you're interviewing, but also about West Virginia and about Appalachia and about that culture. And so that, that's what really, uh, interested in me and in, in connecting with you guys today. Well, we really, we really appreciate that. And, and Chuck and I were actually talking a little bit earlier that, uh, you really, you really don't do a ton of interviews. I mean, from, from what we've found, I mean, there's not a, not, not a ton. You're a pretty exclusive guy. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it's, it's not because I'm trying to be mysterious. Right. Um, but you know, uh, again, it's just because a lot of interviews that you're going to have, it's going to be the same exact questions, the same thing, the same topic. And so, uh, I, I connect with my fans so directly on a regular basis and I'm a pretty open book that I just feel like, um, in this stage of where I'm at, I can be selective, um, you know, down the line, obviously if like a big publication were to reach out or a big podcast or something, I'm obviously going to do it because it's great exposure, but it's more so now where I am in my career about wanting to do it strategically. And that's why, you know, um, I think it's cool what you guys do. I listen to a lot of podcasts, especially on um, Apple's podcast app. And so just to see what you guys are doing and how you're doing it, I, I thought it would be a good opportunity to to kind of um, to give the give the fans, you know, something to come and come and listen to and uh, check out. Well, we appreciate that. Uh, I'll jump right into it. Um so for for this interview, I think what we our goal for this is to introduce you to maybe some people who don't know who you are. Um, you know, if if there's still people out there, I'm not sure if the, if you live in Appalachia, how you haven't heard of David Morris. But if you haven't, we've got a treat for you. Uh, I'd like to introduce you to some of the people who may not know you, but also, uh, you know, talk to you to you about the region, what brings you back the state of West Virginia. I mean, we'll jump into everything. Awesome. All right, perfect. So, when people think of David Morris, what what should they think about? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I would hope that they would think about, especially in Appalachia, about their childhood, their upbringing. Um, I think that a lot of this new music that I've been making as David Morris is rooted in that. You know, I took some time. You guys have been listening. For for those who who may not know, I used to release music as, and my artist name was Dy. Um, and I'm, I'm from Charleston, West Virginia. And so I grew up there. And I think for a, for a long time, I kind of ran away from my roots. You know, I moved away from West Virginia the second that I could. The second I graduated from WVU, I moved to New York. I got as far away as possible. I moved to Los Angeles, California. And for a while, I was making more hip-hop and rap music. And I was really running away from the country roots in West Virginia. Cause when you're a kid growing up in West Virginia or in a small town anywhere, it's not cool. It's the last thing you want. You want to get out. You want to leave, you know, that's, and that's, that's just part of everyone's journey. Um, and I think that that is what I'm trying to get across in this music is that, you know, um, the story of me being from West Virginia, being from Charleston, um, 
which if, if you've never been to Charleston, um, I don't know if it's technically defined as a small town, but if you're from Charleston, you grew up in a small town. And so when people think of David Morris, they should think about um, their upbringing, their, their childhood, their journey, their life, their story um, in Appalachia, wherever that may be, because I think that's my number one goal in the music is just to tell these stories from my perspective that hopefully resonate uh, with people. That That's a perfect, perfect way to start this. I, I love that story because it's something that I think I can say resonates with me and I'm sure resonates with a lot of people that listen to this for people, especially that moved away from West Virginia and from Appalachia. And it was actually something that I wanted to, to ask you about. So I'm glad that you, you brought that up because when I was growing up, it was very much the same thing for myself and a lot of my friends. We wanted as soon as we could to get out, to go somewhere else and get away from where we grew up. And I'm kind of interested in what your perspective is because it wasn't until I moved away from West Virginia that I really started to reflect on where I grew up and realized how important and how unique it was and how unique it made me. And I'm kind of wondering when maybe you had that realization or if you had a similar realization when you moved away. Yeah, um, I think that the realization is an ongoing one. You know, I think that when as a teenager, I wanted nothing to do with West Virginia. I wanted to get away and never come back. Obviously, I want to see my family, but, you know, in a bigger sense, I wanted to never come back. And the older I get now, the more appealing settling down and starting a family in West Virginia would be. Not sure that I'm going to do it, but just really soaking in being in places. You know, now I live in Los Angeles and Nashville, so I'm basically splitting time between both places. Um aside from our current quarantine situation. Um, but I'm typically between both of these big cities. And, you know, the more time I spend there and the more time I spend going, you know, across the country when I'm touring and I'm traveling, um, the more appealing West Virginia life is. And it's it's a simple life. It's uh, an inexpensive one compared to, you know, you can get, I could get, and this is no joke, guys, I could get 400 acres in West Virginia three bedroom, 2,500 square foot house, all the above in West Virginia for the price that I could get a regular 1,500 square foot house with no yard, no privacy at all in California or Nashville. And so it's just, there's so many things that as you get older, you realize that West Virginia is appealing in, 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 in those um, more tangible senses of, of finances and things like that. And then the more you understand how appealing West Virginia is in a sense of community and family and uh, a sense of belonging, right? Like in a, in a big city, you're one of millions of people, but when you're in a, a small town or you're in Appalachia, West Virginia, there's a sense of belonging. You know, everyone, everyone knows you, everyone looks out for each other. Everyone's is much nicer and kinder. And so I feel that it's just an ongoing realization as you grow up, you, you understand more maybe why you have the perspective you do and maybe why your parents you chose to settle down or raise you in West Virginia. And so I think that's, that's really where it's at. And, you know, every, every state, every place has their, their struggles, their problems, um, whether it's a socioeconomic thing, whether it's a, um, a cultural thing or, or whatever, but you start to really, as you get older, I think, understand, you know, what makes a place like West Virginia special and what, what it was about that place that made you special. Um, and so I think that that's, that's really where it's at for me. One thing I, I was interested in, and aside from like your music, which I, I think is a way that you communicate about where you're from in a different way. But like when people find out that you're from West Virginia, when you tell them you're from West Virginia in a place like California, how do you explain to people where you're from? That's a funny question. There's there's three basic reactions I get. The first being, whoa, really? I've never met anyone from West Virginia. Two, it Two is, and I know you guys have both got it, and a lot of the listeners right now have got this too, um, which is maybe the, the, the most common response I get, which is, oh, that's really cool. I have some friends in Richmond. <laughs> and Sounds I'm familiar. Like, I, I'm like, uh, it's a different state. And then 
the third most common response I've gotten throughout history, which was much more in in high school and college and, and those days, is people, you know, they have stereotypes about West Virginia about rednecks and hillbillies and incest and things like that. And they're like, oh, West Virginia, do you kiss your cousin and all this stuff? And just kind of kind of poke fun at it because I, I think that a lot of people, um, if they know if they know West Virginia and where it is and that it's its own state, I think that there's a lot of just misconceptions and stereotypes about it. And so, you know, have definitely gotten that a lot. And, you know, I, I don't sound very country um, in the way I talk, but yet people obviously just instantly assume things about you when you're from West Virginia, that you're, you know, um, a redneck or this or that. So, yeah. Um, but generally speaking, when, when, when people now say, when I say I'm from West Virginia, people are just like, oh, that's cool. And, and, you know, I think it's one of those things where when you meet somebody from a state, like you meet somebody from Alaska, you're like, oh, wow, what's it like there? Like, no, no way. Like, I've never met anybody from there. And so I, I get a lot of questions now about West Virginia about like, oh, John Denver, like, I love country roads or like, oh, I've driven through there. It's such a beautiful state. Um, but I think that I think that's probably more so just a uh, a thing that you get as an adult, you know, when you're when you're younger, it's a little harder to kind of explain West Virginia to people because of those the jokes and whatnot um, that you might have. But uh, yeah, it's always interesting conversation for sure. Yeah, I mean, Chuck and I can can definitely relate. We've we've I'm I'm in full agreement with those top three. I think that you're spot on there. Um, I don't want to harp too much on any of the your past career i want to focus mostly on the the current and you know how your feelings towards the region but i do have to ask so that your transition from dy to david morris and you've kind of hinted at this a little bit in terms of kind of connect reconnecting with the region and reconnecting with with maybe who you are uh what brought that transition about and, and i mean was there like a moment where you were like i have to change it up or or what was it that really made you think i want to be david morris now Right, right. So good question, John. So we'll we'll go back for the people who are listening to me and I know who I, I am or, or anything about me. So anyways, just a, a little kind of expedited history lesson. So uh, I grew up in Charleston, went to George Washington High School, graduated from West Virginia University. And during my time there, I started releasing music as uh, D.Y. was my artist name and had a pretty successful career as an independent artist. Um, was just in charge of everything that you can be in charge of as an artist, a lot of freedom and was able to build a fan base. The music was mostly hip hop, rap, um, some braggadocio lines, some some entertaining stuff. But it got to a point where I was being grouped in with a, a certain subset of artists that I wasn't really comfortable with. Um, I was always playing guitar, writing songs, and and wanting to kind of do more. So it came to a point, uh, maybe 2016, 2015, where I took about a year and a half off from releasing music. And I just realized like, hey, I'm David Morris. That's my name. I'm going to stop hiding behind a moniker. Um, and I'm going to figure out what makes me, me. So I think as an artist, I think, you know, you have to you have to have a story to tell and there are so many artists that just make music and that's that's fine but the artists that i love have always been the storytellers the ones that bring you into a world and so it's just been a natural evolution for me to figure out <clears throat> well i'm a kid from west virginia i grew up writing graffiti skateboarding listening to all sorts of music from Johnny Cash and Simon and Garfunkel to Tupac to Eminem. Um, and I have a deep respect for all these genres of music. And I understand what it was like to grow up in a place to want to get out, to have seen a lot of unfortunate things happen to friends and to the state itself. And I just really started to carve out the picture of who I am 
And I wanted to reflect that in the music. And so that's been the journey. And that's what I'm continuing to do with this music. So, you know, you have songs like This Town that I've released or Where the Back Road Ends that are, are more kind of emotional and kind of more um, more lyric driven in a storytelling sense. <clears throat> and then even in even in like the rap songs that I've been releasing with F350 and Live from the Heartland, when you break down the lyrics of that, that same story and that same DNA is there. Um, really just painting this picture of who I am and what my story is. And so I think that that's really been it. It's just been a journey and it's been a conscious decision to say, Hey, I'm, I'm old enough now to realize what, what I've been running from for so long is what has made me so special and really just reconnecting with my roots in Appalachia, in West Virginia, um, and, and my upbringing, um, I think that is really what's going to help me have a career and continue to have a career. Um, and so it's just kind of, it's been an evolution, you know, and I think that we all evolve as people. Um, I think that in reality, if you're not growing as a person, um, if you're not growing as an artist, if you're not growing as a podcast or whatever it may be, I think that you probably are selling yourself a little short. And so that's, that's what the journey has been like for me. And that's kind of the attitude that I have going forward as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a, a great explanation. I remember listening to your earlier stuff and then the big one that hit me that I thought that uh, I, I think I started to notice a change in at least the way you, it, it was before the whole transition, but I, uh, when you released, uh, young, young love hated and broke, I think that was in like 20, 2013. I remember buying the EP. Um, and that, that song is, is when I started to kind of notice that it was, you know, it was a little different than some of your older stuff. And, and then, I mean, fast forward, what, three, four years, you know, David Morris is now front and center and, and really releasing songs that you can tell, are are kind of far more near and dear to your heart. I mean, I I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah, it absolutely is. There's just a different hunger inside me that's driving me now. It's just a, I I just feel like I I have a message. I have something to say finally, and I, I've just every song that I release, I just get more feedback from from fans and from new listeners, and it just motivates me more. And it just shows me that like, hey you're on the right track. You have a story to tell. And, you know, just like you guys, like there are so many people, I mean, most people in America grow up in a small town or a rural area or uh, a, a non, you know, urban area in a sense of, you know, there is that understanding of what it's like to, to grow up, to want to get out and to, to see stuff. And I just think it's cool because, um, it's so easy to just like make music, right? It's so easy to just make a podcast or just do, it's so easy to just do whatever, but what is harder to do and what is more fulfilling is to do something that, that means something that elicits something from yourself and from a listener. Um, and so that's, that's where I'm at is I always want to just stay true to myself, stay true to my roots and tell a story that I hope people can relate to, you know, and that's what I think is cool about this podcast is like everyone listening right now obviously has some sort of roots or interest in Appalachia. And, you know, that's why it means more than just uh, another podcast where they're just like interviewing random people, you know, well, we appreciate that. And I want to, for our listeners who, who may not know David, I want to point out too that although he's being kind of humble about this transition, DY was a in terms of rap was very well known. I mean, you, when you walked away from that, essentially you were walking away. I mean, I, I've checked some of the streams. I mean, you have, you have millions of streams as DY. I mean, it's not like no one knew who you were at that point. And then, you know, you must, right. I, I fully agree. When you made this transition, you definitely were true to yourself. And I mean, to be able to do that, I'm not sure if I'd be able to do that. So I respect the hell out of you for, being like, look, that that doesn't matter. What really matters is how I feel. Yeah, and it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't something where like I felt like I was walking off the deep end into the great unknown abyss. It was like 
it, it was really just at a point where like I was releasing music and I had all this music that I wanted to release and it just didn't fit. It just wasn't, it, there was a disconnect. And so I took some time and I was just like, I got to a point where I was just like comfortable with not releasing music because I know, I knew there was a bigger picture there. And so, you know, I still, it's, it's great. People are still listening to the DY stuff. I still make money off of that. Um, so that's a nice, a nice bonus, but like, you know, there definitely was a point where, you know, if you had said, Hey, you have to walk away from this, delete every song ever erase the memory of DY, would you do it? And I would have said, yeah, just because I believe so much in, in myself and my talent and what I'm doing that, you know, um, I would have been willing to, to put on the line. So now it's kind of cool. Cause it's the best of both worlds. People are going back. They're discovering the DY stuff. People who, um, uh, our fans like yourself from back in the day are still listening in and appreciating it. So it's kind of the, the best of both worlds really. Yeah. And that, that's the last question I'll, I'll ask about the past. Now let's, let's fast forward to, you know, today and really 2019, 2020, you released, you released small town Friday night, that album, which that's, that's yeah, yeah, EP, that yeah. EB, EP. That was really where we see, more of this like Appalachian feel and really you getting down to your roots. And one song in particular that you've mentioned already, which I think I would argue to the end of time that it is like a Appalachian anthem. And that's uh, this town. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Tell tell us about that song. What brought it about and and what made you want to release it? Well, it's a great question. So the way that song came about was a lot of times when I'll be writing a song, and it comes about in, in a few different ways. With that particular one, it was, I was sitting um, at my dad's house in Charleston. Um, and I was sitting at the, the kitchen table. My brother was there. So we were probably in town for a holiday or something. And I was sitting there and I had my MacBook and I had um, uh, Fruity Loops, which I, I use Fruity Loops. I use Logic Pro Tools, depending on what we're, we're going for. Um, and I remember I just had, I just put in some MIDI keys, like some, some chords and it had a vibe to it. And I just started singing over top of it. And the first thing that came out was something about this town. And I, I kind of had the verse melody and I was, I think I might've like freestyled the opening lines. Like it just came to me. And so it took some time. I, I kind of, picked up a guitar and then messed with it on there. And then I just started, slowly started building the track. So um, this town is the only song on that EP that I actually produced myself. A lot of the other ones I have other producers, you know, build out tracks or collaborate, but that one, it, it just one that came to me was real special. I remember, I remember once I added some drums in and I got the, kind of the hook idea, I was like, man, there's, there's something special here. Um, and I just took a couple of days to kind of refine the lyrics and to add stuff. I added the acoustic guitars and then I had a buddy of mine come over and I was hearing a guitar solo and I had him play it. Um, and so, yeah, so it was one of these things where it just kind of happened. You know, a lot of times I'll have preconceived like concepts, like I want to write a song titled boom, or I want to write a song about this, but in this circumstance it was really just something that that came to life and i I'm, I'm glad it did because um if you guys who haven't heard it can you guys can look up david morris this town um i'd recommend going to youtube because there's a music video that accompanies it um that's really special um it's definitely a song that i think perfectly encapsulates where i want the music to go so sometimes we might have stuff that's more hip-hop or we might have stuff that's more country or folk but i think this town is the perfect balance of kind of both of those worlds where there's a real story and a real message um while also having a little you know a little modern production in there as well and speaking of that music video you filmed that in charleston is that right in west virginia yeah, so it was all filmed in, in southern West Virginia, um, filmed between really two locations, one, Charleston, and two, down in Warden, which is in Boone County, down in, in Van Van and Warden, oh, yeah. two of those, so yeah, so that's, that's where my dad works. My dad uh, works at a nonprofit clinic down there. Um, he's a doctor, and so he is just really in touch with the community there, and every time I go down there, it's always love, and, and people always, you know, 
um, are just showing love to me and, and to my dad. And, and so I wanted to really not only tell my story of growing up in Charleston, but grow, tell the story of, of these communities and these people in Appalachia that I think is so important to tell because I think that they don't, I, I feel like the, the spotlight is shined on those communities for the wrong reasons. And so I wanted to shine it for the right reasons. Now, I, I, we, that's why we created this podcast. And in, in all honesty, I think we all have the, really the same mission here. And, and that's the, the point being that Appalachia is, is more than what people perceive it as. And I, I think that's why artists like you pushing it forward and, and being front and center and saying, I'm not afraid to be Appalachian. I'm not afraid to be West Virginian is a big deal. And that's one reason we really wanted you to have to come on and, and to discuss these feelings. And I think to transition just a little bit more in terms of just the region itself, when you come back, I know that you, you said you live in LA and Nashville. And when you come back to, to West Virginia, I mean, what brings you back? I mean, you have all the opportunity in the world in terms of those two cities, especially with the type of music that you make. Uh, what drives you back here? Well, I mean, number one, of course, is family, right? My dad and my stepmom uh, live in Charleston still. Um, I have a good friends that still live there. So that's obviously going to be number one. Um, but um, number two would be, it's just a nice escape. It's a nice escape from the big city and the fast paced industry and all that stuff that you experience in LA and Nashville. And so when I go back, I not only get to see my family, but I get to just take a breather. And there is, there's so much inspiration in being back in Charleston and, and driving around and, and reminiscing on things and putting things into perspective. And I think that's so important um, when you're an artist, right? Is putting things into perspective and being able to have that time to reflect and to, to just, you know, look back and, and, you know, I think that every time I go back, I'm inspired in a new way. So that's a great reason to go back. And I think that's certainly one of the reasons why I go back as family and just really wanting to reconnect with where, where I'm from. One thing that you, you mentioned earlier was shining a light on the good parts of Appalachia and the good parts of West Virginia, especially. And you mentioned your dad being a doctor. Um, were there people, um, it could be your parents, but other people growing up that kind of served as that inspiration of someone that you could shine a good light on and people doing that good type of work that served as an inspiration for you? I mean, yeah, absolutely. My, so my whole family um, are all in medicine in one way or another. So my, my dad's a physician. Um, like I said, he works down in, he actually works at two clinics. He works for a, a nonprofit company that has a clinic in Warren, West Virginia and one in Whitesville. So he's um, depending on the day of the week, he's at in one of those places, which some of you listening might know where those are, but they're very rural parts of West Virginia. Um, my grandfather, may he rest in peace, was a, a dentist who was also um, in the military. Um, my mom, now retired, uh, was a nurse. Um, my aunts and uncles were, were dentists. And so it's just one of those things where I grew up and I saw how they they dedicated their lives to helping others you know um and so i always thought that was great and, you know there was a point in time where i thought you know maybe i should be a doctor um and music kind of was the path that you know was calling my name and and now i think it's cool because they support my musical career um and have always been championing me and very excited for for me and that you know, especially now when there is a real tangible effect, people are, are reaching out all the time, sending me messages and comments and just sh sh telling me that the music is helping them. It just, it, you know, in a way I'm able to kind of follow in their footsteps of, of helping people. And it's, it's nowhere. I'm not, I'm not equating my, me being an artist to like being a doctor. I'm just saying that, you know, all I wanted to do my whole life was, have a positive impact on people like my dad and like my mom and stuff. And I feel like now I am able to have that impact. Um, and I have uh, super respect for people 
um, you know, right now, especially who are on the front lines in, in medicine and the military and stuff, because I, I grew up with just a deep respect for service. Um, and so I think that, you know, if I can, if I can help to shine a light on those people and, and that sort of sentiment, I think that that, uh, that's kind of the best of both worlds for me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just as an aside, I hope that your family, especially your dad and, and all the other folks in your family in the medical field are staying safe during, uh, during this crazy time. They are. Yes. Good to know. Good to hear. And I hope they continue to. I was really curious to ask you about the reception to your music from people in West Virginia, people you grew up with. Um, you know, I think that with this with this new new music, with the David Morris music, I've seen a definitive increase in people from West Virginia. I think that since I've tapped back into my roots and released songs like Settle Down and This Town and Where the Background Ends, I've seen so many people from all over West Virginia show me love and extend an olive branch of support. And, you know, I'm, I'm humbled by it. I think it's great. And what's cool is I think that, you know, I think a lot of music from Appalachia, from West Virginia, from country areas and small towns, it's, it's pretty much folk or Americana music, or it's just straight country music. And I think what's cool, what my, my intention is, and what I think that I'm, I'm, doing successfully is I'm, I'm, I'm blending the genres and I'm giving people, or even like when I do a rap song, like live from the heartland, it's blatantly a rap song. But what I'm talking about is this Appalachia small town vibes and upbringing. And as a fan of music, right? Like there's, there's no, nothing. I would say there may be a very, very small niche group of artists that even try to do anything like that. And so, if I was a kid growing up, right, like kids nowadays in 2020 listen to everything, right? Like the same kid that's a fan of Luke Bryan is a fan of Post Malone, who is also a fan of Drake. And so, you know, that's how I've always been. And I think it's more prevalent now. But I think those kids like, you know, if I was a kid and I was interested in all this and here's a, a an artist who's singing sometimes, who's rapping sometimes and who's telling a story that's relatable to me like I'd be into it. And so I think that's what I'm seeing, right? Cause I'm, I'm having a lot of kids who are 14, 15, 16 year old high school kids hitting me up. Yo dude, can I use your song as my walkout uh, song for, for baseball? My it's my senior year. And I'm like, dude, of course. Sure. And then I'm having 50, 55 year old women uh, hitting me up and saying, you know, thank you so much for where the back road ends. I lost my husband. And it's like, you know, and, and that song resonates with me and it's just really powerful. And so again, I've been making music for a long time. I've seen like John reference, I've seen some success, but there's nothing as fulfilling as seeing people from West Virginia, from Kansas, from Idaho, from places that are similar to where I grew up telling me that they relate to it. Because I think that as an artist, that's the highest honor, right? It's like, it's not the hardest thing to do to, to make money as an artist. If you're successful, it's not the hardest thing to do to you know, travel and tour and see places and cool things and yada, yada, yada. But what I think is hard is really, really connecting with people on a cellular level to where you're getting these messages from them that are, are heartfelt and, that's what keeps me going. And I think that's been the number one thing that I've seen from a reception point of view from people from West Virginia. It's just like, Hey dude, I relate to this. Thank you. Um, and then I, I always say, dude, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Um, and I'm always working on, on more stuff and just wanting to consistently give people, you know, something to listen to. Yeah. And I've got to say you are probably by, I would say by far, one of the bigger artists who are actually willing to talk and communicate with their fans. I mean, I've DM'd you before uh, and just, you know, talked to you about random stuff and, and you've always answered, you've always been really cool about everything. Um, and even though I think this town is your, 
best song for Appalachia. I don't think it's your most relatable. I actually think your most relatable song is what you've been hinting at is where the back road ends. And in that song, I mean, it's a, it's a super powerful song. So if you haven't listened to it, go to his Spotify and check it out because I guarantee you that you'll be able to relate to it. But in that song and in that video, you include an in memorial uh, section at the very end, which little fact, uh, actually has my wife's grandma's name in it. Uh, so I, I, I sincerely appreciate you doing mm. that because when you released that, um, that was on like May 26th and I didn't tell my wife about it because her birthday was the next day. So I got to give her a pretty cool birthday present and she loves your music. So it's, it's really neat to see that. What, what, what made you That's awesome. want to do that? I mean, that's a pretty special thing to do you know, wh- where does that come from? Um, so just to give people more perspective on it, the, the song is called where the back road ends. Um, it's a song about loss, about love, about life, about missing people. Um, and I wrote, I wrote the song after one of my best friends who was like a little brother to me, Adam, who I grew up with, he passed away in December, 2018 um after a lifelong battle with cystic fibrosis and so he is just the latest in a string of friends that i've lost prematurely due to various reasons um and when i heard a buddy of mine send me the instrumental a producer he was like what do you think about this and i I listened to it and i started writing and um it just it's as i finished the song I knew that there needed to be a video for it. And as we finished the video, I knew that people were going to relate to it. And I knew that although the song had personal meaning to me, I knew that it, it was going to touch other people and that other people were going to be able to relate to it. So, you know, it was right around, I think, the day that I found out that, you know, Kobe had passed away. And that was a, a rough day for, I think, a lot of people because we grew up with Kobe Bryant and you know, always definitely a hero of mine and, and someone that I look up to and always watch his games and stuff. And I just, I saw something, a video uh, of like highlights of him. And at the end, there was like a credit, credits flashed of like rest in peace to like the people who passed away in that, in that accident. And I just thought, you know what? I should do this in my video. I should give fans and give people an opportunity to memorialize and honor their loved ones. And so I just put out a video on my social media and was just like, Hey guys, the next song I'm releasing has a video. Um, it's about people who are no longer here with us. I would love to honor, you know, anyone that you've lost. So send me a message or a comment, um, with the names of, of, uh, of these people. And I got over 300 and some names. And at the end of the video, you know, the in memoriam section says in loving memory of, and then these names start to scroll and it's a pretty powerful, slow and painful two minutes or so of just these names, just scrolling and scrolling. And it is really cool, you know, for you to be able to see your, your wife's grandma. And I'm really happy that I was able to do that for her, but in a, you know, it, it does put things into perspective and it is, it is a little, um, you know, painful to just see those names and just realize how many people, I mean, in reality, all of us have, all of us have lost someone, right? I mean, I guess as, as adults, I guess, for sure, you know, depending on how, how old your listeners are, but, um, you know, and I just think that that's something that connects all of us, right? Is that we've all lost somebody, we've all gone through hardships and hard times and, um, the motivation for it was just really like, let me see if there's a way that I can help better connect, you know, people. And I'm glad that it worked out. I'm glad that, that people were able to uh, have the names of their loved ones in there. And I'll, I'm just honored that I was able to do that. That's a, that was such a neat idea. And it was, I think, so powerful for so many people and really, in my opinion, cuts at the heart of what it means to be from Appalachia and really show that kind of respect as I typically do, I get a little introspective uh, being from West Virginia and having left, I take a lot of the lessons that I learned growing up there with me 
And, um, and for John and I both, being from West Virginia has influenced us so much. I'm wondering, what's the most important thing from growing up in West Virginia that you take with you today and that influences you today? And just to give you an example, for me, it's appreciating hard work from others. My dad was a union steel worker who worked his fingers to the bone every single day. My mom put herself through community college to help make the family more money when my dad was on strike. And like seeing that level of work ethic driven by love that really inspires me even to this day. And so I'm wondering, like, what's that takeaway for you from where you grew up that you keep with you today? It's a great question. Um, And I think that the answer to that question for me has only come in in recent years, you know, since I've gone through this journey uh, musically and since I've been able to look back and it's just it's really appreciating the simple things in life. And you realize that like you have these big goals and dreams and they're important, right? You need to work towards your goals and dreams, but what typically with most people, especially artists, right? It's a money thing or a status thing of platinum plaques or hit records or money. And then you get so caught up in achieving whatever this is or, or, aiming for it and working towards it that you realize that like what is at the end of it right and at the end of it all you can really ask for for most people for me at least is like i want a family i want to settle down i want to i want to raise them i want to you know in a bigger picture in a bigger sense of things so it comes to where you realize like oh man like none of this shit actually matters like what really actually matters is the things that you saw growing up is, is community, is family, is, you know, people appreciating the simple things in life. Um, in, in a new song that I've been working on recently, I said, um, it's, uh, it goes, shout out to my country folk, the working class, the little guy. Some of us don't want to be famous. We want a simple life, a healthy and a happy family. We just want to get it right a house and a steady job and a cold beer on a Friday night. Um, and it goes on. It's like a four minute song of me just kind of talking about these sort of things, kind of answering this question. And it's really that like, look, like as much as, as much as, you know, people in Los Angeles have this, this bubble around them and they want to be famous. They want to be influencers. They want to be this, like a majority of people on top of a majority of people. once an artist or once a celebrity or once an influencer gets all this cool stuff they want, they join this majority of people who realize that the important things in life are family, are friendship, are having a, having a house, owning, owning your own property or whatever it may be. And it's the simple things. And I think that that's, what's been most important to me is like, I feel like, my perspective on West Virginia and Appalachia has helped me to realize that like, Hey, don't focus on the wrong things. Don't focus on the money. Don't focus on the success. Don't focus on the fame, focus on the journey, focus on the story, make sure that in the midst of, of aiming for these goals that you're not losing track of who you are and where you're from. And so that's where I am now where I'm understanding that uh, I'm already so blessed um, having a family, uh, having a, a, an amazing relationship with my family, having an amazing girlfriend, having an amazing support group of friends, um, and being from a place where, you know, I can still go back and still get perspective on things. And I think that that's what I was getting caught up with for a while being in, in New York and being in LA and being in Nashville is like, you know, this music industry stuff is pretty crazy. Um, but just realizing like there is, there's more than that. And those sort of things aren't stuff that money or success can buy, right? You grew up with it in West Virginia. You grew up with it in Appalachia. When you thought you had nothing, you actually had all that you needed. And so I think that that is the biggest takeaway. I I think that that's very well said. I mean, Chuck, Chuck and I can, can tend to, uh, have a you know commonality with you there uh both both chuck and i went to law school and and at the end of it thought "Ah, i don't want to be an attorney so i mean uh, we we rather do something else and and help people and 
and really kind of turn down some of the things that maybe other people think we're crazy to do. Um, exactly. But but we definitely agree with you. And it took me a long time to really come to grips with it being okay that I wanted a certain life. And so, I mean, I, I definitely can can relate to you on that. And I could go all night long and, and ask you millions of questions because I've got plenty. But I, I've got I got two more to wrap this up. I know that uh, you're a busy guy, and we're we're very thankful that you did this interview. Uh, in terms of of this region, and really, I mean, the the country as a whole, I, I think that we're kind of boxing you in as an Appalachian artist. But honestly, most of your stuff is is very relatable. Uh, and and you're talking about your goals uh, earlier. Yeah. You, you know, you had you have all these goals. What is your goal now? Because I mean, your goals obviously have changed from ten years ago. Uh, you know, where where does David Morris want to be? That's a great question. You know, and I, I don't know if I would necessarily consider myself an Appalachian artist. I would consider myself an artist from Appalachia. You know, for sure, an artist from Appalachia. I think that, but I, again, I think it's back to like I am trying to tap into something where. I'm using different genres of music to tell the story of West Virginia, of growing up in a small town, of growing up in Appalachia. So I think there is some cross pollination there, but you know, I have a great, great love and respect for mountain stage and Appalachian music in its truest sense, bluegrass and folk and country and Americana. So I have a, a deep appreciation and respect and I'm very tapped into all those artists as well. Um, but your question, I think, was what is my goal, right? What are my goals? My my goal, where I want to be? Um, that's a great question. I really, so in a bigger sense, I just want my music to reach the largest audience possible, right? And I think that artists are like, oh, I want fame, or I want money, or I want success, or I want status. And in reality, those are just a byproduct of your music being as accessible and as ubiquitous as possible. And so I think with everything, with every artist, you want to make music that uh, the widest group of people can relate to. Um, so that's really the, the thing is just to continue to release music and grow the fan base. And I want to be back on the road touring um, and meeting people. Um, Cause I take, you know, like you referenced earlier, I respond to every fan. I try to respond to every message. Um, and um, I just want to get back on the road and meet people. So I would say just continue to grow the fan base and get back on the road. And then um, I think the next the next goal will be to, you know, um, get it to where I can continue making um, the different genres of music that I want and have them be equally represented um, on different platforms and fan bases. Because, like, I have very, very country songs, very, very folk songs, very, very hip hop songs, which you guys, I think, know by having listened to my music, but I just want other people to know that I am a, a multi-dimensional artist. Um, and I'm just trying to tell my story. So, um, I think that, I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for, but I think that that's it. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't think, I don't think anybody can answer that question, but you. So there, there was really no answer I was looking for. And I, I when we first, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think a lot of artists would be like, I want to, okay, my goals, I want a number one hit single. I want money. I want this. And it's like, yeah, you know, I've already established why those, why those answers are problematic. It's like, Hey man, I just want to continue to, 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 to get my music to the people and get it to more people and hopefully be able to relate, um, you know, through this music. So, well, when we first started this, this interview, I asked you, you know, how would you describe David Morrison? To me, if somebody asks or whenever they ask who you are, I always say range. I mean, the amount of stuff that you have, I mean, you, you've talked about it. You have rap, you have, you know, kind of like this almost R&B sound. You have a country sound. You have, I mean, literally whatever music you're into, David's probably made it. And I think that that is really impressive. And I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not musically talented. I don't know much about music and I'm not a music producer, but I am a betting man and I would bet on David Morris. So I will say that. Um, Thank you. And, I appreciate and, that. And I can tell you that uh, if you go on tour, I can name a, a few people who are, are definitely buying front row seats. Uh, so 
you know, we, we really appreciate everything that you're doing for the region. We appreciate you coming and interviewing with us. And just so everyone knows, how can they learn more about you and where can they listen to your music? Right. So my music, you can listen to it on any platform, wherever you listen to music. Um, just type in David Morris, a good place to start would be maybe the most recent song I've released, which we discussed called where the back road ends. So if you go on uh, iTunes or Apple music, Spotify, Amazon, Google, YouTube, SoundCloud, whatever it is. And you just type in David Morris, where the back road ends. Um, that might be a good place to start. And then from there, um, you can just check out the other music that I have out. Um, you can also tap, tap in with me on Instagram, at David Morris. Um, it should be the first one that pops up there. Um, and, uh, you know, Facebook and Twitter, I, I don't think are as kind of active and engaging as Instagram is currently. So I would say um, you could definitely check me out on those platforms. But to keep updated with everything I'm doing, I'd say Instagram might be the uh, the best move. Well, we're, we're definitely urging all of our listeners to go and, and check David Morris out. David, we, again, really appreciate it. When we first started this podcast and started to think about who we wanted on it, we had a, like a, a little bit of like a, uh, if we ever get big enough section and you were, in, and you were in it. So we're really thankful that, that you were you know willing to come on. We're honored to have you and uh, we wish you nothing but success. Chuck, John, I appreciate it. Likewise, if there are other people in that section that you are haven't been able to get a hold of um let me know maybe i can connect the dots for you um i'll also brainstorm and see if maybe there are some other people that might be a good fit for this podcast because i I like what you guys are doing um i think it's important and i wish you guys nothing but the best and i'm excited to promote this episode to to my fans and friends and and have them come and check out what you guys have going on Appreciate that, David. Thanks so much. See, I'm at church on a Sunday, hard at work on a Monday. I'm a truck at a main street light. At a main yeah, I'm a kid light. next door sitting on the front porch who grew up here all of his life. All of his I life. Said, baby, I'm a fighter. I'm a stay up all night. I'm trying to make it just as fast as I can. I'm American scheming. I'm American dreaming. Coming alive from this heartland. I'm from a place. John, that was our interview with David. What thoughts? I, again, one of the best interviews that we've done. I, I really, I think David's a, a very relatable guy. He's really, I think, shown as an artist how you can evolve and how you can take where you're from, especially in Appalachia, and and build it into your music and make something really special. Yeah, and I mean, he's one of those guys who really puts his money where his mouth is. Like when he tells you that he's connect, he wants to connect with all of his fans. He really means it. And I'll give you an example. And this. This always cracks my wife up. Um, in 2012, I bought one of his like last EPs is when we talked about DY. I bought one of his last EPs when he was still DY. And when you bought the EP, the promise was that he would call you if you provided your phone number. And I remember in 2012, I was so pumped. I was like, he's going to call me. We're going to talk. We're probably going to become best friends. Uh, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to have a huge rap career. Like these things are going to happen for me. And I missed the call. (laughs) At least I think I, I think everything happens for a reason. And I just want to say like, I am glad we waited eight years to talk to David because I, I think, uh, it went a lot better for us. And, uh, I think the interview speaks for itself. How, uh, uh, I'm, I'm very happy with how it turned out. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And I, and I hope that our, our listeners did too. And, and, definitely follow David. We, we'll put links to all of his social media and his music into our show notes that you can follow him, download his music, listen to all of his stuff. It's really good. And, and we hope that you uh, support him like you're supporting us. And speaking of supporting, you can still support us and support the Second Harvest of East Tennessee Food Bank on our Patreon right now. We are still taking all of our donations that we get for the month of April and donating 100% of that to Second Harvest of East Tennessee to help feed needy people in that region. They especially need that money now because of the coronavirus pandemic. And so it's really important that they um, get the support they need. And so you can cancel after that if you'd like, or if you want to continue supporting us monthly, we'd love that too. John made some shirts for the $15 tier, and you can find what those look like on our social media. They're really cool, and we hope that you uh, you show your support, and we'll send you a shirt. And John actually wants to uh, give a shout-out to some of the people that have already become patrons. So this month, we've we've been 
very lucky to have so many people join our Patreon, and we want to give a shout-out to all of them. We have Danica, Kelly, Stephen, Helen, Mark, Miles, and Sebastian. We thank you so much. All of that money, if you if you remember, is going to go to Second Harvest Food Bank in East Tennessee, and we appreciate it. Again, $15. We'll send you a shirt. We're more than happy to have you. Cancel any time. Thanks. But without further ado, as we like to end every episode, there's always there's always that little thing that just irks you, that grinds your gears, that burns your cookies, that melts your muffins, that makes you just get so balled up with 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 frustration and anger. And John channels that every week in a segment we like to call Beef with Big John. Beef with Big John. Chuck, usually I have a, a pretty concise beef, right? I may, go, I may go on a tangent or two, but at least it's targeted at somebody specific. You get what I'm saying? I, I'm with you 100%. I've been here for all of them, so I know. Chuck, I, I'm going to do something crazy. I'm, I can't believe it. And mm-hmm. Are you sitting down? Uh, yeah, I, I, I am. I knew, the answer, I knew the answer to that, but I, I needed to double check just in case, because I know you get really pumped up during the segment. Maybe you were standing, maybe you were excited, but I need you to sit down. I need you to temper your excitement because I have to tell you that I'm going to agree with Jim Justice. <sighs> Boy, lay it on me. This is interesting. I'm for once not mad at Jim Justice. I'm actually mad at others. Right now, people are fleeing these huge cities, New York, Los Angeles, um, you know, parts of Texas, whatever. Giant cities and they're coming to Appalachia to quote unquote escape COVID-19. All this is doing is bringing COVID-19 into states like like West Virginia, Ohio, all of these places. Jim Justice actually, in I think it was on April 4th, urged people to stop visiting the state. And, you know, we kind of made light of it. And, you know, I think I told a, a joke about it in, in the sense of it's the only time that Jim Justice won't say tourism is the best thing ever. But he has a point here because... People have looked at the low amount of cases in West Virginia, and and trust me, those cases are are constantly climbing. Berkeley County right now is increasing significantly every single day. It's really scary. And people have decided from these, you know, you have these rich urbanites who are able to travel and do all of these things that are just clamoring to the Appalachian region uh, because they see West Virginia and states like Kentucky that are very, very low population. I mean, West Virginia, for instance, has 77 people per square mile. That's that's stupid small. But this doesn't help anyone. It actually just infects more people. And in fact, when you come to the region and more people start to become infected because that's exactly what happens, you have a higher risk of being infected. People need to actually stay in their their homes, self self isolate, stop coming to Appalachia right now. We love you, we want you here, but not right now. Stay the hell out. This is interesting because I was actually having a conversation with my wife about this, uh, similar to this a couple of days ago, because it relates to the same concept of the Michigan governor, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, uh, who put out an order saying that people who had summer homes in northern Michigan weren't allowed to go to those summer homes, and they had to stay at their their normal homes that they live at in the mitten part of the state. And uh, there's a lot of people that are really upset about that, but the rationale was is that you are taking that virus, you could potentially spread it to the people up there that are more rural areas, sparsely populated, similar to West Virginia. And that rationale, I think, didn't trickle out to enough people because there's a lot of people that are upset about it but it's true and and we know now that you can be asymptomatic and it's important to understand the risk not that you pose to yourself but that you could pose to other people and that's i think the really important part of this and so i yeah all right i'm with you on the record here we go john i agree with jim justice too i do we are we are fair and equal on this show and we'll give credit where credit is due well and i think the other thing that needs to be pointed out here is that let's pretend that you don't bring the virus to appalachia and you come to west virginia and and you know you're able to self-isolate 
that's not even one of the biggest issues. And another giant issue is that regions like West Virginia are, are what the USDA classifies as food deserts. And what that means is people have low access, even outside of pandemics, to healthy foods such as fresh fruits and vegetables. In fact, residents of more than 40 counties in West Virginia, if you don't know, West Virginia only has 55 counties, they all have limited access to food without the pandemic. So imagine your grocery stores right now, how bare they are. They're way worse in West Virginia. I mean, there's an example that the Kroger in Athens, Ohio, which is crazy enough where we go all the time and uh, where my new favorite football player, Joe Burrow, is from, they are out of things like rice, tomato sauce, bread. The only type of bread product that they had were bagels. I mean, these shortages are really, really bad. People, urbanites, especially rich urbanites, need to stop coming to Appalachia to essentially steal resources from the people who can barely afford it anyway. Stay put, stay in your home, come to West Virginia and Appalachia when everything is done. Absolutely. Definitely want to emphasize that last point because tourism, of course, is incredibly important. And we want more people to experience the region for its beauty and the wonderful people here. But now it's just not one of those opportune times to do that because I think there's a lot of people who are struggling and it's important that we protect everyone. Well, John, with that, let's close it out. Uh, Again, special thanks to David Morris. Really great interview. Really excited to talk to him. Uh, Follow all of his social media. Check us out on our social media, too. And to close this episode out, we're going to leave you with one of his songs. In fact, the most recent song he's put out, uh, Where the Back Road Ends. So enjoy that, and we'll talk to you all next week. Same old bar stool. I'm looking at the clock Like man where are you Maybe you ran out of gas Maybe you picked up a shift Maybe you're just running late Ah yeah that must be it I don't know why you ain't answering my calls I don't know why but I think it's all my fault I'm just trying to make sense of it all But some things don't make sense at all Damn They say it's dark years before the dawn They say no one's ever really gone Just missing my friend I know heaven is a place on earth Where I'll go and you just got there first Between the pines round that old creek bend Wait for me where the back road ends Where the back road ends Can't wait to see you again Where the back road ends Some nights to drive around the city all alone I stop by your house, see if your mama's home She asked me to stay for dinner, we sit down and talk about you We go through our photographs and laugh, man it's hard without you Remember where we used to park And stay out till way after dark Away from the noise and under the stars I like to think that's where you are